we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a low right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Schwert and Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. A lot of recruiting news happening in the world of college basketball today. Ty Ty Washington. KU still apparently on his list. Five-star point guard out of Arizona. Going to be making his decision live on SportsCenter tonight. At 8 o'clock, has anybody played a recruitment better than this kid? This kid was committed to Creighton. McDermott had some uh, questionable comments after a game. The word plantation was used. Didn't go over well. And uh, Ty Ty Washington said, you know what? I'm going to be going and play my college basketball elsewhere. Had a great spring. Shot up the recruiting rankings. Everybody comes calling at the end of the season because everybody needs a point guard now. All of a sudden... Programs that weren't really going after him the first time around are making him their top priority, including Kansas, including Kentucky, and Arizona, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody really expects him to pick KU. All the buzz lately has been pointing in the direction of Kentucky, which would make sense because they're Kentucky. But he played it right, man. That's how you play it. Some of these guys want to get the recruitment over. They talk about that when they commit early. They say, I just wanted to get it over with and focus on the season. You know? But I, and that's, it's commendable. It's fine. I love the kids who are like, I want the spotlight. I you know want why? all attention on me. Because how because many that's other- you. Because that is you. <laughs> <laughs> if you were in their shoes, that's what it's you exactly would do. exactly what I'm yeah. saying, though. It's exactly what I'm saying. Because we always talk about, well, if you want anybody to know who you are, you need to go to a blue blood, right? It's all about, that's why you don't go to the G League. That's my favorite one. That's why you don't go to the G League because then by the time you get to the NBA, nobody knows who you are. You got to be marketable. That's why you got to go to Duke or Kentucky or Kansas so people know who you are by the time you get to the NBA. People are going to know who Ty Ty Washington is before he even gets to college because how much does the average college basketball fan, the ones who aren't super into recruiting, which is most of them, by the way, I know, I know if you're listening to this show, you probably pay more attention. There's a higher chance that you pay more attention to recruiting than the average college basketball fan. So you probably know who Ty Ty Washington is. And you can probably name some of the other guys that are in the top five or the top ten on the recruiting rankings. But for the average college basketball fan, there's only a handful of guys that you can name. But I'll bet you Ty Ty Washington's one of them. You know why? Because at a time when most of these kids have already chosen where they're going to play next year, this guy's in the news every day. This guy's doing interviews cutting his list down, going on, taking visits, doing Zoom calls. Everybody knows who Ty Ty Washington is now. So whether he ends up at Kentucky, Kansas, Arizona, you're going to know when you hear about him next year. I mean, even me, I can only name a handful of guys in this recruiting class, and they're mostly the kids who Kansas was in on or like the top five, top six kids in the class. Ty Ty Washington played it right. Another kid who uh, went about it a unique way, Patrick Baldwin Jr., five-star recruit, made his college decision earlier today. And Patrick Baldwin Jr. chose the University of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 
over Duke. Duke's got to get tired of losing these recruiting battles to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, man. Aren't we all? That's got to be frustrating for Coach K. The connection, Patrick Baldwin Jr.'s dad, Pat Baldwin, is the head coach of Milwaukee. He'll be going into his fifth season next year. Milwaukee went 10-12 and 12 last season. They have not had a winning record since 2016. That was three coaches ago. In an interview, he did cite the success of Loyola Chicago and Oral Roberts as mid-majors having success in the NCAA tournament. He cited those as factors in his decision, along with the fact that his dad is the head coach of Milwaukee. Have we ever seen a top recruit do anything quite like this? We've seen some recruits take the path less chosen. Um, you know, Maker, Maker, Thon, uh, yeah. Thon Maker's little brother chose... I think it was Howard. Howard. Right? Yeah. It was the first five-star recruit to choose an HBCU. But he only played in two games. He had a groin injury. Coach sat him the rest of the year. Uh, Charles Bassey. You remember that name? Mm-hmm. He's like the leader in dunks. He was good last year. Yeah, Kofi yeah. Coburn and him. Leader in dunks. He was a five-star top five kid. He chose Western Kentucky. Rick Stansbury, always up to something. But the reason why he chose Western Kentucky is Rick Stansbury <laughs> hired his guardian slash mentor as an assistant coach. So that would also make sense. Uh, the year before that, Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson was a kid that KU isn't on. He committed to Western Kentucky, but that was after he committed and decommitted from Texas A&M. He committed to Western Kentucky, showed up, never participated in a practice, decommitted, then recommitted to Western Kentucky, and then decommitted again and never played a single game of college basketball, but actually having a pretty successful career in the NBA. But that's it, man. And those are all over the past, like, six years. That's all I could find of five-star kids, bona fide. Because you can find the kids who are top 25, top 30. I'm talking about premier top five one-and-done prospects who elect not just to go to a blue blood, don't even go the power five route. You're talking mid-major and a bad mid-major. This isn't choosing Butler. This isn't choosing Loyola Chicago. This isn't choosing VCU or Wichita State. This is Milwaukee. And I get it. Your dad's the coach. So we don't have to sit here and, why'd he do it? Yeah, no, we, know we, we factually know that he has been paying the player. Right. He's been, He's been feeding, buying him meals. Feeding him, providing for him. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff we need to ask. But I wonder how risky it is to go to a program like that. Because I think from the NBA perspective, you can look at some mock drafts for 2022. This guy's a top 10 pick. This guy is a projected top 10 pick. And there's very little, I feel like, that he's going to be able to do at a program like Milwaukee to add to that. The expectation is essentially going to be dominate against lesser competition. Your 6'9", 205 wing athlete, go put up 20 and 10. If you struggle whatsoever in the Horizon League, don't you think questions are going to start to pop up? Like, is this kid ready? Because he's going up against lesser competition and he still struggles. What's it going to look like when he's in the NBA? Yeah, no, it's it's the complete opposite of when a kid goes to the G League Ignite, Ignite or they go overseas to Australia or something. Like, when you go overseas to Australia, a lot of those kids, we haven't seen it, like, balloon. Lamelo Ball. Right, or, or uh, RJ Hampton mm-hmm. or something. Like, it hasn't, like, risen where they were projected to go, but... For a lot of them, it kind of raises your floor. Like, R.J. Hampton has a tough year in Australia. Or um, 
uh, I can't remember, Terrence Ferguson, I think was the kid's name, who committed to, like, Arizona, KU was in on him. He goes to Australia, and he has a tough year in Australia. But because you have the tough year against pro competition, you get all the excuses during the draft process of, and I'm not saying they're wrong, I think for a lot of people they are right, yeah. um, of, well, okay, but look who it was against. So now I think, yeah, you will get the flip side of that with him at Milwaukee. If he does struggle, it's going to be the complete opposite where it's like, man, how do we project this guy in the NBA if he can't even beat up on this six foot seven power forward? Yeah, I mean, we always say it's and, and we always say it's risky for guys who don't go to the Blue Bloods because those programs have proven over time they know how to prepare you for the next level. But this is taking that to another. Again, I understand why you're doing it. I just think there is some risk involved. It's not just the competition you're going up against. It's the fact that you're not going to be playing with anybody good. It's a team that went 10-12 and 12 last year. So there's no talent around you that's going to help bring the best out of you. You're going to be expected to carry the team and be a dominant college basketball player. If you do, that's great. But even then, when you get to the next level, the questions are going to be, well, was that just because he was against lesser competition? It just It's, it's fascinating. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but uh, you certainly can't deny that there's not some very serious risk involved. Bryce Thompson also has a decision to make as to where he's going to be going. Transferred from Kansas last month. Apparently, his final three is down to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Tulsa, and he is set to make his decision tomorrow afternoon. So there's a 66.6% chance that Bryce Thompson is staying in the Big 12 if we are to believe that all three of these schools are on equal footing. That's a kick in the nuts. Is it really, though? I think so. Why? I thought that Bryce Thompson, if he stuck around, given the KU current roster construction, we don't know what they're going to do with the other scholarship. I kind of thought Bryce Thompson was going to use Christian oh. Brown in the starting line. Yeah, there was. I I was up and that so belief as well. So to go from that as the guy that a lot of people were kind of selecting as, oh well, what player do you think can make the biggest jump from last year to this year for KU? Just because we didn't really see much, and he has the high prospect pedigree. You go from that to all of a sudden now you're having to play against him for possibly, who knows, one mm-hmm. to three years, one to four years? Well, Oklahoma was in on him the first time around, but obviously that was with Long Kruger as head coach. So, I mean, they've still clearly done enough to keep his interest. It's obvious that he's going to stay in Oklahoma, as my uh, research has concluded that all three of those schools are located within the uh, the state border of Oklahoma. So, going home. Right? That's an inspiring story. Going home. Bryce Thompson. As for the staying in the Big 12 part, is it a kick in the nuts? Yes and no. Because part of you says he would have played a big role on next year's team. I'm of the belief he would have. I think Bill Self really wanted to keep him around. Everything I heard was that Bill Self tried really hard to keep him at Kansas. The flip side of that, though, even though I believe he would have seen an increased role on next year's team, Look at what they've done this offseason. All they've done is bring in depth, particularly at the guard spot. So if you're Bryce Thompson or if you're a KU fan who wants to sit there and say, come on, bet on yourself, compete, win a starting job, you'll be better for it in the long run. I understand that. But the flip side of that is, what if you come back for a sophomore year, compete, work your tail off, you're battling every day with guys like Christian Brown and Joe Yesifu, and Bobby Pettiford, and who knows who else is going to be in that competition. And you're working your tail off, and you're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to prove myself. And you're still not good enough. 
and you still lose that competition, and you're a sophomore now, and you're once again playing 15 minutes a game. You're going to look back on it and say, I could have went to Oklahoma, I could have went to Oklahoma State and played 25 minutes a game. I could have went to Tulsa, played 30 minutes a game, and been the star. Did I just waste another season of my college eligibility trying to prove myself in a program that wasn't a good fit for me, in a situation that wasn't the type of situation that I wanted to get out of college? Everybody, the college experience is is what you want to get out of it as a player. So if you're a guy who wants to go to Kansas and compete and you think that's going to be better for you in the long run, perfect. If you're a guy who wants to go to a program and be the star and have everything revolve around you and you want the guaranteed playing time and you just want the ability to showcase that you can be that guy for a team, that's great as well. It's not up to any of us to decide what a guy should try and get out of it. So, I mean, I get the idea that, oh, it kind of stings if he goes to Oklahoma or Oklahoma State and you have to see this guy a couple times a year. Totally understand that. The flip side of it is that if he didn't want to be a part of this, isn't there a part of you that says, then see ya? Because if this isn't where you want to be, and if being a part of that competition, which we know is going to be stiff, like we can, we've talked about it a lot this week. Like there's a guy who you may think is going to be a big time player on next year's team that just simply by math is not going to be a part of the rotation. We do it every year. We're always look at the rotation and say, it's going to go nine or 10 deep. Well, whoever you have at nine or 10, they're probably not going to play because once you get to March, it's like, what's the say? How's the saying go? You, uh, you play six, you trust five or you play, you play seven, you trust six. It's going to be a tight rotation. So if you, if that's not something that you are 100% all in for, then it probably is best for you to leave because there are going to be some other guys who are going to be in for it and they're going to have a, an automatic leg up on you. I think it bears mentioning, given those three schools, you mentioned all in Oklahoma. I know this was a, I don't want to say like rumor, but when he first transferred, that was part of the reason people brought up the fact that he wanted to be closer to home. And, you know, KU is not that far off from its four-hour drive. You would think, oh, what do you mean? Like, you are kind of close to home already. But for a guy who experienced a season with tribes and tribulations, not just in terms of the on-court success, but you read that one story in uh, that Oklahoma newspaper where, you know, he he suffered not just the broken uh, finger, but he also suffered the, like, broken vertebrae, I want to say. And you go through all that in a season where, because of COVID-19, you can't really do anything. You can't go out to the bars with your teammates and go enjoy what it's like to be a KU basketball player. You can't go out to a house party and enjoy what it's like to be a KU basketball player. You're not socializing with people in these big lecture halls where you're meeting new people and meeting new friends. Because of that, I think it relates to being where you'd get even more homesick if you already are kind of a home buddy. And so I think because of that, I think that's kind of the proof in the pudding, the fact that those are three Oklahoma schools to show you that that might have been the biggest driving force. I don't really think it was necessarily about the, oh, but I got to compete with this, this, and this guy for this position. Yeah, when he initially decommitted it, at least the smoke indicated that he was, like, Tulsa was one of the main targets, and who knows, maybe he will end up committing to Tulsa. But, yeah, if he commits to Oklahoma or Oklahoma State, it's going to hit a lot closer to home just because you are going to be immediately confronted with it a couple times a season as opposed to, hey, let's check in on a Tulsa score. Let's see what Bryce Thompson's doing down at Tulsa. If it's at Oklahoma or Oklahoma State, you're not going to need to check around. You're going to find out. I was hoping he went to Oral Roberts. I was hoping that was the Oklahoma school just because if that Max A. Smith guy came back with the Kevin O'Banner, I want to say, mm-hmm. O'Bannon or something, 
That would have been a fun team. Fun mid-major. Bryce Thompson with the Groves brothers at OU? Ooh. What's that do for you? Not going to be fun to play against. (laughs) It'll be fun to talk about, though. Hey, we'll talk about that with uh, Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star. He's going to join us coming up in a bit. He's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwartz. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. There's a lot of things you might be not really living up to snuff about right now. Are you getting enough haircuts? Are you shaving enough? Are you keeping up with your personal hygiene? Well, one thing that you don't want to be a loser about is having that dirty car. Uh, you know, whether it's just driving around town, whether it's you picking up a friend, you want the clean car. And don't you want the sparkly clean car that you're proud of? Well, guess what? Tommy's Express Car Wash. They are going to hook you up with a great car wash that's going to get that car sparkly nice so that when you go to the store, everybody's looking at your car and says, oh, man, where did that guy get his car washed? It's wash, rinse, repeat at Tommy's Express Car Wash. You can download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy endless washing for one low price. That's right, endless washing for one low price with the Tommy Club app. It's unlimited car washes. Unlimited clean, shiny, and dry. Unlimited use of exclusive app lane. Unlimited access to all Tommy's Express locations, because there's a lot of them. Unlimited guest service. And most importantly, unlimited happiness. They've got the tools and expertise to keep your car clean inside and out. Their wash packages let you pay for the services you want, including Tommy Guard and body wax, wheel cleaning and tire gloss, underbody flush and spot free rinse, and vacuuming. So download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy that endless washing. Go to Tommy's Express Car Wash. So we officially have some news with the Kansas football staff. Lance Leipold uh, and KU have announced, as we guessed, Andy Kotelnicki, the OC, Brian Borland, the DC. Both those guys were with him at Buffalo. Both those guys were with him at Wisconsin Whitewater before that. Emmett Jones, as expected, has been retained. He will be the wide receivers coach. Uh, Quan Drake, also a holdover on the D-line. And Chevis Jackson, at D-back, some other guys, uh, Jake Skuvner, special teams coordinator. Um, so there's a, there's a healthy mix, a healthy mix of guys from Buffalo, guys from Kansas, and I would imagine some of that was determined before he was even hired. Like I'd imagine that was a part of the interview process when when they were going out and interviewing guys to say, hey, if you're going to take this job, you have to retain a certain amount of staff members, both for your own good and for the school's good. Interestingly enough, Quandrake, DC, a D-line coach, well, he just lost two of his best players in the past week. DeJon Terry, D-tackle, transferred out last week, already has a home. He committed to Tennessee over the weekend. Then today, redshirt freshman Marcus Harris entered the transfer portal. And that one stings a little bit more because he was a better player. He was one of Kansas's best players, certainly on the D-line. Last year, led the team in tackles for loss, had seven and a half. That's two projected starters on next year's defensive line that are no longer going to be with the team. Now, those two guys apparently were like really close, like best buds. So I guess it shouldn't come as much of a surprise that when one of them leaves, the other one uh, not soon to follow. But... It's weird. It hurts the team next year. There's no question. You lose two projected starters. You lose maybe your best player on the D-line. 
there is no question that is a loss for next year's team. But I probably wouldn't take it much farther than that. You know? Um, this is a team that's short on building blocks, so I understand the idea that you need to retain as many guys as possible. And that's very true. But I think in the long term, in the grand scheme, if Lance Leipold works out at Kansas, it will be a footnote. Do you think in four years we're going to be talking about, man, if they only had Marcus Harris? Do you think in three years we're going to be talking about, man, if only DeJounte Terry wouldn't have left, then things would be different now? No. Is that maybe the difference between uh, a win and a loss next year? Sure. Maybe that's the difference between getting two wins and getting one win. Maybe. But this is what happens when there's coaching overhaul. This is what happens when you hire a new head coach. Guys are going to leave. And I know people out there ask, but why would you want to leave? Why would you want to go? And you're going to play for a new coach there. You know, the scheme, it, 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 you're still going to start. What's the big... Dude, who knows what their motivations are? Any number of reasons could have left, led to a guy have left. My guess is these guys probably were thinking about leaving anyway. And the head coaching change was the icing on the cake. Would it really shock you if two months ago, when everything was going down with Les Miles, if they said, well, if he's gone, I'm gone. I was already looking for a fresh start. These new transfer rules was already thinking about going somewhere where I can actually win some games. And it's not as if Kansas is a tough place to recruit against. So when Tennessee came calling to Sean Terry, do you think they really had to sell him on why to leave Kansas? Do you think they really had to pitch? Here's X, Y, and Z. Here's a 30-minute presentation as to why we think our program would better suit you. It's not that hard. It's Kansas. There are any number of things that you could say to convince a guy, you know what, you probably don't want to waste away there. It's a big loss for this year. Sure. Uh, uh, anything more than that, I think, is probably a bit of a stretch. This is this is what happens. This yeah. is just the cost of doing business. No, I remember when uh, they hired Les Miles, the conversation between us, we at least had this a couple times, was whoever he's going to hire as offensive coordinator, do you have to tailor that hire to somebody who can utilize Puka Williams to his fullest extent? And looking back on it, Puka Williams was one of the most talented players, if not the most talented guy I've ever seen in Kansas, and it didn't turn the program around. It didn't lead to a lot of wins because there's so much more that goes into it than just one stud player. Looking back on it, if you would have said, well, if Kansas makes the right hire, but it costs them Puka Williams and he transfers away, would you do it? At the time, I think we would have said no. Yeah. But now looking back on it, it's like, what do you mean? We Two years of Puka Williams, which didn't result in wins and losses as much as a head coach would have impacted it. So I'm not saying you just want guys to leave or that you don't pay attention to that at all, but it's not as important as getting the right guy who can build the right foundation, develop the right players, and bring in guys that are going to lead to winning as opposed to just one or two guys. How much do you think Leipold tried to convince these guys to stay? I mean, I don't think he was, like, on his knees begging them. But I'm sure he wanted them back. I don't, I don't know. I'm sure he wanted them back, too. But And I don't know exactly what this process has been like with him meeting with all these guys. I can't imagine he did much more than pitch, him, pitch them his vision for the immediate and the uh, distant future for the program. And essentially gave them, hey, I think you're going to be a big part of our future. I want you to be here. I want you to know that. You're a big part of our plans. It probably went about as far as that. But once those guys said, you know what, I think I'm going to leave, 
I, I, I highly doubt. I don't know this, but I highly doubt Lance Leipold sat there and said, please, please stay. Yeah, no, I mean— We I, really want I you think to. Are you sure? Point. Please reconsider. I don't well, think so. Well, if you're trying to change the culture, you're trying to change the team— you know, it's not like a good riddance thing, like get out of no, here. No, it's just like stat, I've given you like, my right. I've given you my plan. If that's not something exactly. that you're on board with. I want you with, to be both feet in, you know? I want you to cannonball into the pool and not dip your toe. I think that's a big part of establishing the culture. And I know there's probably people who would disagree with me. They'll say, well, what, are you kidding me? They wouldn't want... I'm not saying they didn't want him. I'm saying they probably didn't bend over backwards to try and get him to stay. Because that's a that's the thing with, with laying the foundation for your culture. And quite frankly, man, quite frankly... It's a tried and true method for turning a program around is getting rid of the guys who don't want to be there. And when I say, and I know saying get rid of maybe comes with a, a harsh connotation that they were run out or they were, you know, sayonara, don't let the door hit you. It's nothing like that. It's just simply, if you are not in for this, then I'm not going to beg you to stay. Good luck. I hope you have success elsewhere. As a fan, I think you should want the same thing. Because it's not just about how good are they. How many games would they start? How many games will they play? And I know Kansas is playing a scholarship game right now and they're losing badly. But go back to what we heard Lance Leipold say at his introductory press conference when he said, we're not making decisions for one year. When you take over a program and when you're trying to establish culture, you don't make decisions in a one-year vacuum. You make decisions for the betterment of the program that are going to help you rebuild the program. Rebuild the program. Marcus Harris, DeJean Terry, they help your team. They do not rebuild the program, right? You're, you're essentially knocking everything down and starting from scratch. And you got some, some good pieces to build with, but you lose a couple, I don't think you're crying over it. You're saying, all right, now I know. Now I know the guys in the locker room, the guys who we still have here, are the guys who want to be here. And that's probably a good starting point for turning around a program. We'll talk some football and hoops with Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star. He's going to join us coming up next. Breaking news. This important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your pubic service announcement and the news you've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. This new trimmer was just released only moments ago, and we are one of the first to get our hands on it and share the news. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code RCST at manscaped.com. If you're still trimming your face with your ball trimmer, it's time to make some changes. It's long past time to make some changes. Does anybody know that you do that? Does your significant other know? Does your wife know? Do your friends know? If you're having to hide in shame just to do normal body maintenance, upgrade it. Upgrade it with 20% off at manscaped.com. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth, and your balls will thank you. Thanks, Nick. Hey, anything for you guys. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RCST at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code RCST. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped.
So we know the staff now for Lance Leipold as KU officially announced uh, just a few minutes ago a nice healthy mix of holdovers from the Kansas staff, some significant names there like Emmett Jones and Quan Drake and Chavis Jackson, as well as some familiar faces for Leipold, some guys who have been with him for quite some time at both Buffalo and Wisconsin-Whitewater. Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star joins us now on the program. Jesse, when you take a look at this staff, anything stand out to you? Um, not too much. You know, you figured when Lance Leipold got this job, he would bring in his coordinators from Buffalo, and so that's exactly what happened when you're looking at uh, both Brian Borland and then uh, Andy Cuddle-Nicky, who uh, I'll be working on pronunciations to make sure I get these guys' names uh, correct. As we yeah, move you're forward. my pronunciation but, guy, usually. Yeah, Andy Cuddle-Nicky, well, I, I think I let you down on Leipold. I think I said that wrong for about a week or two mm-hmm. before um, okay. I was able to get that corrected. But uh, hopefully, again, a newspaper guy trying to get this as correct as possible. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you know, you figured when the staff changed over that there would have to be some holdovers from the previous staff. And you didn't know what that number was, but most likely Lance Leipold was going to get a chunk of money to say, hey, this is how much you have. Some of these other guys are under contract already. You figure out with this, whatever it is, you know, $2.5 million, $3 million, whatever the number was for Kansas, you figure out your staff, you dole out the money you see fit, and then if you need extra money, you, re- you maintain or retain the guys that are previously on staff to make those numbers fit. So for Kansas to bring back five guys that's uh, on the Kansas staff that were on Les Miles staff last year, that's probably maybe one or two more than I would have anticipated. But, um, again, it makes sense a lot of these ones that KU did pick and the positions they did, especially when you look at guys like Emma Jones and Quan Drake, um, guys who are well-respected, who seem to have done well with the positions that they've handled over the last few years under Les Miles, and guys that obviously could play a role when it comes to trying to keep players on campus here at KU and not have this mass exodus of players right after a new regime comes in. So nothing too shocking with this, but um, it seems like a decent mix. And like I said, I'm, I'm sure in the last week or so, Lance Leipold has kind of been going through the numbers and figuring out exactly how he wanted to, to dole out this money. And this is what he came to. And, and so, yeah, the new coordinators is something you expected, but having five maintained from the previous staff, might have been a little bit more than I would have I would have guessed going into this thing, but uh, probably um, right around what I would have thought. And uh, the guys that they picked are, are ones that um, I think definitely make some sense. You mentioned uh, trying to avoid max exodus, and I don't think this would classify as a mass exodus, but there have been two projected starting defensive linemen, both DeJon Terry and then today Marcus Harris, who have announced they're going to enter the transfer portal. DeJon Terry already found a home and only took him a couple of days to wind up at Tennessee, the Marcus Harris news coming down just earlier today. What's the significance of those two guys leaving? Well, you mentioned it. Um, this is sort of expected and sort of probably the trend of what's to come for Kansas, um, unfortunately, for the Jayhawks, because this is what we always talked about the last three or four months, which is if you are Travis Goff, the AD for Kansas, you have to make a move for the long-term big picture of the program. You just have to. If you get a guy like Lance Leipold in, or whether it was Jeff Munkin, or whoever the case may be, you give yourself a few extra months to get this thing turned around. And while it's not ideal timing, it also is just saying, hey, 
you know, this thing has been a mess for a long time. You have to start moving forward with the future of the program. And if that means making the change at an awkward time and getting the right guy in, that's exactly what you do. But, you know, this is the downside of it. And so I, I don't think this is it. You know, Dejon Terry leaving for Tennessee, that's a big loss to the defensive line, the interior defensive line, especially for Kansas, because it's been a long time since they've gotten the defensive line right. Those are the guys that are very, very difficult to get in your program and develop the right way. And every Big 12 school, every SEC school, everybody wants those guys. Uh, they're, they're not a dime a dozen. Those are guys that, that really are, are valued out there on the open market. And that's why you see, you know, potential landing spots like for Dejon Terry at Tennessee that'll take him right away. Uh, Marcus Harris has been super impressive. He was super impressive last year for Kansas. One of the team leaders in tackles was great in the spring game. And that's sort of the disappointment here. You know, DJ Elliott, the former defensive coordinator who's not with this new staff, um, you know, they, he helped recruit and bring in some guys and build up that talent, and they were overwhelming in the spring game, that defensive line uh, against the offensive line. And you saw some flashes there of, hey, you know, if, if KU just was able to roll out its defense there and Les Miles was still the coach, there might have been something special with that group if they had continued to build. But when you make the decision to, um, you know, obviously move on from Les Miles, which was a decision that Kansas basically had to make, and bring in a new coaching staff, this is sort of the danger, and this is sort of the repercussions. It's, it's going to happen, and, and it's nobody's fault. It's just the way it is, and I, like I said, I don't think it's the last of it. I would think, I don't think I'm taking out a turn here, you know? KU's best player is Kron Prunty. He was a freshman All-American last year. He would have interest from, you know, back where he's from in Virginia, from very big-name school, you know? If Kansas keeps him, I think that'll be an upset. You know what I'm saying? Like that's those are the sorts of guys that, uh, unfortunately for Kansas, they are most likely going to move on from Kansas and look to immediately transfer elsewhere because of the new rules this year. And that's just a reality of the situation. Like I said, nobody's fault, but I think it is the start of what's going to be uh, kind of a disappointing next few weeks for Kansas as they see some of these guys who potentially could have been great at Kansas look in other directions just because of the circumstances that they were dealt and the new coaching staff that's coming in. Yeah, it would hurt to lose a guy like Prunty. I mean, it hurts to lose a guy like Marcus Harris, and that significantly impacts you know, your ability to field a competitive team next year. Big picture, though. I mean, you kind of—I I call it the cost of doing business. You said, you know, it's nobody's fault. It's just kind of the reality of the situation. Big picture. I mean, does this does this change anything? Because you you said it's to be expected. So therefore, if we're looking down the road three, four years, do these decisions that are being made now? Do you think they'll have a lasting impact beyond, you know, one or two seasons? No. I, so I, I think you're on to it there, Nick. <clears throat> Obviously, Lance Leipold would love to keep these players on campus because it would potentially make this rebuild go a little bit quicker in years one and year two. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if they kept Marcus Harris, if they kept Dejon Terry, if they kept Karan Prunty, all of a sudden, you know, this year's probably not going to be that great. Next year could probably be so-so, you know, by Kansas standards, two or three wins. And then that third year, man, you, you've had some talented players. They've been able to develop. They've been starting for three years now. All of a sudden, you're looking pretty good. And potentially that, that could be sped up to year two, depending on you know how the coaching staff comes in and develops those guys and how good Lance Leipold is at developing talent, which by all indications from his previous stops, he's been pretty good at doing that by years, you know, three, at least year three, potentially year two. But, you know, I'm reminded of this. Um, they had the, the Miles to Go documentary, and I, I just remember Jeff Long so much speaking about the recruiting cycle and keeping guys, keeping recruits in and, and wanting to make a hire quickly and, and all those things when he was hiring Les Miles. And it was such 
kind of on the forefront of his mind. And again, look back now at that, at that discussion and think about how irrelevant that seems. And even who even was in that recruiting class for Kansas, where it's going to be tough to keep guys anyway. Uh, you know, you're scrambling to kind of keep them when you bring a staff in. And I mean, it, it sort of seems silly, right? Like for Jeff Long to have, thought about that as one of the top priorities one recruiting class when he was hiring a head coach that potentially was going to try to move kansas forward in a positive direction um it it just seems not right and so i think you're right with this nick i mean it hurts to lose marcus harris it would hurt to lose Karan prunty it hurts to lose dejon terry and Les miles did a lot of things the right way in bringing in high school talented guys and then developing them and he was going to start to see the fruits of that and that's what makes this disappointing is that uh, for Kansas, you know, you start to do things the right way. You bring in the guys the right way. You develop them the right way, and then they transfer anyway. Um, some of the the pains of the last two years are not going to bear fruit potentially. It's going to bear fruit at Tennessee or, or wherever the place may be. But again, you can't be short sighted here. I mean, I, I just want to be honest with you, Nick. Is Kay going to be good next year? No, <laughs> I mean they're not. Kay football is not going to be good next year. But this needs to be a long-term fix. You know, this doesn't need to be something laser-focused on 2021 or even laser-focused on 2022. KU football's been bad for a decade. It needs a coach come in here to bring some continuity and to bring in a sort of team building that they haven't had since Mark Mangino left. And so if that means a crappy 2021 and a sort of crappy 2022, and it means they lose a couple players but get the whole foundation of this thing right, it's going to be well worth it. And uh, KU can't lose sight of the horizon while looking at its feet. And I think that's that's kind of where Travis Goff has to be at in this process and where he was in this process. Same thing goes for Lance Leipold. You, you kind of have to, to make sure your sights are up rather than just down. And, uh, again, if KU football is crummy for another year or two, fans are going to have to wait it out because the long-term success will be worth it. Talking to Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star here on Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Basketball side of things also being impacted by the transfer portal. When you go back over the offseason and and think about some of the names that Kansas has been linked to that they've missed out on, Tyson Walker ends up choosing uh, Michigan State, the point guard from uh, Northeastern, I believe it was. Uh, I'm thinking about that. Stanley Amude, who uh, was from, where is he from? South Dakota, and he chooses Arkansas. Even a guy like Ty Ty Washington making a decision tonight. Not a transfer kid, but another guard that KU was looking to add, and it sounds like he might be headed off to Kentucky. There's a new name, and it's somewhat of a familiar name that entered the transfer portal yesterday, Remy Martin. And I don't know how familiar you are with Martin. Jesse, I know you've seen him up close and personal a couple of times when KU has played Arizona State, but could it actually work out if Kansas is in on this kid late? where maybe they've got uh, an easier path to playing right away than some other schools will be late in the offseason. Could could this actually work out in Kansas's favor, missing out on some of the guys early that they did? It could. You know, I'm always reminded, Bill Self seems to always have a rock that's not turned over yet in any recruiting period, and they always seem to find a guy. I mean, I brought this up with you before, but remember when they signed Kevin Young about a decade ago, and, like, everybody thought he'd was done like playing college basketball and all of a sudden he was a contributor on a team that you know was really good and kind of an energy guy all those sorts of things so it's amazing how late in the process sometimes Bill Self can kind of unearth players or find guys um, when it seems pretty dire in the moment but I think that's the wrong probably view of this situation anyway because I mean frankly I think this is a top five Kansas team whether they get another player or not and 
The thing with Remy Martin is, um, if you read some of the articles out there and his dad talking, it sure sounds like he wants to turn pro. It sure sounds like if he can get that two-way deal that he's desiring, even if he goes undrafted, that that's probably the most likely destination for him. And I think the danger now, I mean, Kansas is a, a great spot for players to land, obviously. I mean, it's obviously with the, the fan base and the coach and all those sorts of things. Like, you know, but at the same time, I think the danger of the, the transfer portal and immediate eligibility is any time a name pops up, like every school out there says, well, I'm just, just going to grab that guy. And, you know, and so that's sort of um, the danger of this thing, which is, Sure, Remy Martin was recruited by Kansas and Curtis Townsend uh, the first time around. Sure, he'd probably have interest in Kansas. He wants to come back. But it sure seems like his mind is on the NBA. And even if it's not, Kansas will be one of a few candidates then. You know what I mean? Like It's not like it's just a slam dunk. He chooses Kansas. That whole thing is over with. But you're right. Sometimes these things work out for the best for Bill Self. It seems like um, when he wants a guy, he usually finds them, even if he misses out on a couple guys earlier. But um, either way, it's... It's just crazy. I mean, they signed what is like the sixth best recruiting class. They bring in, um, you know, a really good transfer from Drake and Yesifu. They bring back almost their entire core if Ojai Abaji and Jalen Wilson come back. They're probably going to be top five in almost every preseason poll. And yet, you know, here we are talking about this missing piece that they don't have when, you know, they're going to have 13 scholarship players and a 14th if they add another player. So we'll see how it turns out. But I think Kansas is in good shape no matter what they potentially can be in a little bit better shape if they had a guy like remy martin but i think that's far from guaranteed based off the circumstances we've been hearing about lately okay well then let's look at it from a more realistic perspective with the guys that you currently know are in tow for next season is there a prototype is there uh, an archetype that you think would best fit next to the pieces that you already know are going to be there well i i mean it's it's clear what K is going after, and it makes sense what K is going after. You know, like they're going after a point guard. They 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 think they need a starting point guard. Uh, Bill Self likes to play with multiple ball handlers on the floor. It's not something he was able to do very much last year. Obviously, Marcus Garrett was amazing defensively, but playing him at point guard limited what K you could do not only in transition but in pick and roll actions and him finding players. Um, you know, the vision to find them. Uh, uh, on roles and uh, to find free point shooters, things like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if they could find a starting point guard who makes good reads in pick-and-roll situations and can free up spot-up shooters like Christian Brown and Ochai Baji and get easy baskets for guys like David McCormick, then, I mean, that would be ideal, and you could play him alongside a lot of different players on the perimeter, like the Yesifus of the world and uh, the Christian Browns, Ochai Abajis, uh, like I talked about earlier. But, I mean, there's, there's a lot of factors involved right nick i mean we don't know kansas's status for the NCAA tournament right now i mean that's just a reality like what we don't know yet that that case is going to be decided probably next few months but there's at least uncertainty there and not to mention the fact that bill self has brought in a lot of guards this offseason i mean i don't know you can think what you want about guys like bobby pettiford or you know yesafu or the development of dewan harris but i mean if ojai baji comes back and christian brown comes back uh, you know, I, I just don't. I don't know how much you can promise a guy to say, "Hey, you know," unless it's a guy like Remy Martin who's already been fringe All American player for a couple years. I, I don't know if it's a guaranteed spot to say you're coming in and you're playing 35 minutes a game. I mean, that might be a little bit difficult. You're probably gonna have to win and earn that spot. So, like I said, I mean, th- those sorts of guys are always gonna have options, and uh, I'm sure Bill Self 
based off of what they've been looking for in recruiting, is definitely making the pitch that they are a point guard, starting point guard away from really completing the roster and feeling like they are the elite of the elite in college basketball. So we'll see how it all turns out. But, yeah, that is the position. That's the position that they would probably feel like they're missing and the position that could make other players better. And if they were able to land that, then I'm sure they would feel a lot better about their prospects coming up here in 2021-2022. He is Jesse Newell. You can check out his work in the Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com. Great stuff as always, Jesse. Thank you, man. All right. Thanks, Nick. All right. That's Jesse Newell. He's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwartz, and you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Quick shout-out to all of our sponsors, RCST Trivia, 23rd Street Brewery, Sporting Kansas City, Pella Windows, Toppling Goliath, CBD of Lawrence, River Rat, Print and Skate, Jayhawk Trophy, Hawaiian Bros, and the Lawrence Public Library. Our first matchup today brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. Open for dine-in, carry-out, and catering. Outdoor patio is a great spot to enjoy the warm weather. Try the Bill Self Mac and Cheese. The Haney Turkey Stack or any of the great menu items. And don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery's beer, which you can get to go as well with their crowlers. RCST Trivia brought to you by Toppling Goliath with a brewery and tap room located in Decorah, Iowa. Toppling Goliath features 10 of the top 250 beers in the world, according to Beer Advocate. That also includes three of the top 10, three of the top 10 world beers and six of the top 100. If you're not going to be making it up to Decorah anytime soon, don't worry. You can order Toppling Goliath apparel and beer at tgbrews.com. So the first two matchups of the Grade 8 featured one veteran from the Phenomenal Four a year ago and featured one newcomer. And so far, the veteran has won one. The newcomer has won one. Isaac, our defending champion, took down Ryan in the first matchup. And then Andrew, the, uh, the newcomer, took down Tate, who was our runner-up yesterday. This matchup, though, guarantees us we will get at least one more piece of fresh blood into the Phenomenal Four because we've got two guys going for their first ever Phenomenal Four appearance in our CST trivia from the East region. The unconventional 9-7 matchup between Tyler and Andrew. Tyler had a very climactic win last week where this matchup went back and forth in his showdown with Chris. I believe it was W.O. Hamilton, which is uh, the answer that, that pushed you forward. And you had probably the most animated response to your win, as I've seen, Tyler. That was a pretty emotional victory last week. How are you feeling now ahead of this one? Um, you know, last week I kind of felt like a fraud for getting three questions wrong. Yeah. I kind of redeemed myself, but I'm looking to further redeem myself today and hopefully advance. But I feel nervous, but I feel like I'm prepared as best I could. So, Tyler, what would it mean for you to make it to the phenomenal four of RCST trivia? You're someone who has made uh, made it no secret how much you want this thing. What would it mean to advance into the phenomenal four? Oh, it's it would mean a lot. I mean, it, my KU basketball legacy is on the line. It'd be a, a banner that I could hang in my arena. Uh, it'd be a banner year, and uh, it'd be a heck of a way to start my uh, RCST trivia career. That's right. Could just be the beginning of something special. Andrew, we've already seen one seven-seated Andrew move on to the Phenomenal Four. It would be pretty historic if we had two of them. You obviously had a highly anticipated matchup last week against your buddy Kyle. 
and obviously you won and advance on to this round. Some people are worried about a potential letdown, right? The trap game, or I guess it's the opposite of a trap game. You have the big emotional win last week against Kyle. Is there any fear of a letdown this time around? Yeah, I, yeah, yes. I, I'm I'm nervous all the time. I'm the absolute opposite of never nervous Purvis, man. Like, I'm drinking a <laughs> f***ing light right now. Like, <laughs> like yeah. that's, how, that's how I feel right now. Super nervous, but I'm super excited, so... Yeah, you've made it no secret. Honestly, you have not hit it. I think you've said that every single round so far. You have mentioned how nervous you are. So I'm just going to assume that's just part of your process at this point. I I guess I guess so. Yeah. I mean Kyle and I Kyle came to Lawrence yesterday and we studied, so he returned the favor and now we were let's see what we can do here. So So. Kyle's still helping you out. He's he is. He is being a, a good friend here. He's being a good friend here. So Wow. It's good. Well, sportsmanship's been one of many themes in our CST trivia this year. A lot on the line, boys. Not just a spot in the Phenomenal Four, but a four-pack of soccer tickets to a Sporting Kansas City game, a Sporting Kansas City jersey, toppling Goliath pint glass and a hat, and a Phenomenal Four trophy courtesy of Jayhawk Trophy. Tyler, Andrew, one of you guys going to be getting your first taste of the Phenomenal Four after today's matchup, so... Obviously, I know you guys are ready for it. You know the deal by now. I'll be answering you, asking you guys a series of Kansas basketball trivia questions, alternating back and forth until one of you guys gets it right, one of you guys gets it wrong. Everything is the same from your last matchup. You still have 30 seconds to answer. That clock starts as soon as I get done asking the question, and we will play you a five-second warning. When you hear this ticking sound, that means you got five seconds left. All right, Tyler, once again... You are still the underdog. You want to go first or second, bud? Second. All right. Nervous Andrew. Let's rip that Band-Aid off, man. First question's for you. Andrew, just three KU players wound up scoring in double figures in their Elite Eight loss to Oregon in 2017. Name one of those three. I'll say Frank Mason. Safe bet. Safe bet. That's right. Frank Mason was uh, one of those players along with Josh Jackson and Svee Mikhailuk. All right. Question number one for you now, Tyler. Tyler, two Jayhawks tied for the team best with 26 points in their Sweet 16 victory over Purdue around earlier in that 2017 NCAA tournament. Name one of those two players. Frank Mason. That's right. Frank Mason and Devontae Graham both had 26 points in that win over Purdue. Okay, Andrew, back to you now for your second question. Andrew, setting the KU record for most blocks in a game with 12 was this Jayhawk big man against San Jose State on November 16th of 2013. Jeff Withy. Jeff Withy is correct. Back to you now, Tyler. Tyler, Withy had one other 10-block performance in his career. The only other double-digit block outing since the stat has been recorded was in the NCAA tournament in 2009. By who? Jeff Withy. 
Cole Aldrich. That's right. I saw you doing the... I saw the gears turning up there as you were making sure you got your years right, but that is correct. Cole Aldridge, I believe that was, uh, was that the triple-double game against Dayton? That's right. All right, guys, good start. Two for two for both of you. We go back to you now, Andrew, for question number three. Andrew, the last four seed the Jayhawks faced in the NCAA tournament came in 2017 against who? Purdue. I don't know. Andrew's also the king of acting like it's just like I got no idea, and then rattling <laughs> off because of crap, no clue, and then he just nails it. Yeah, that's right. Purdue, Sweet Sixteen. Okay, back to you now, Tyler. Tyler, KU is seven and one all time against eight seeds in the NCAA tournament, including their 2018 second round victory over who? Did you say 2017? 2018. Seton Hall. That is right. Seton Hall in the second round. That game has been uh, popping up a few times here in our CST trivia. So here comes the big one. We have not had a matchup yet in the grade eight get past this very question number. Oh, wow. So they've all lasted exactly yes. three questions each. Well, they've lasted. Each got three right. Oh, uh, okay. And the fourth was the deciding No factor. pressure, guys. No pressure. A grade eight matchup in the East region between Tyler and Andrew, the winner advancing on to the Phenomenal Four. Back to you now, Andrew. Andrew. When was the last time that Kansas missed the NCAA tournament? And that does not count last year when there was no tournament. Nineteen eighty-nine. That's right. Nineteen eighty-nine. Kansas in a bit of a trouble there because of Larry Brown. Okay, Tyler. What year of coaching at Kansas was Roy Williams in that season when they missed the NCAA tournament? That was his first year. That was his first year. Okay. Enough. Enough with the layups. These guys don't need him. They came to play. I love it. Tyler and Andrew duking it out for a spot in the Phenomenal Four. Already the longest matchup we've had in the grade eight. And we go back to you now, Andrew. Andrew, in their 2011 Elite Eight loss to VCU, Kansas hit just two threes with two different players, each notching one three-pointer made. Name either of the players to hit one three in that loss to VCU. I'm going to say Tyshawn Taylor. Andrew, the correct answer would have been either Tyrell Reed or Markeith Morris. Tyrell Reed. 
Tyrell Reed. I was going to say Tyrell first. I was going to say Tyrell first. Stun him. All right. All right. Tyrell Reed, Markeith Morris with the correct answers there. Tyler, I don't need to tell you what that means, but I'm going to tell you what that means. That means if you get this right, you're moving on to the next round. You're moving on to the Phenomenal Four. If you can answer this correctly. Here's your question, Tyler. In their 2012 Final Four victory over Ohio State, it was a KU guard who led the team with 10 rebounds. Who was it? Travis Relaford? The correct answer was Elijah Johnson. Elijah Man. Johnson. And Tate and Tyler just switched their answers. That's right. We had Tate guess Elijah Johnson on a question oh. that was actually Travis Relaford yesterday. Okay, wow. Both of you guys still alive. Andrew, a new lease on life here with your next question. Andrew, the KU record for most field goal attempts without a miss is 10. Both Danny Manning and Norm Cook did it. Four Jayhawks have had nine made field goals without a miss, including three under Bill Self. Two of those players didn't finish their career at Kansas. Name one of those four players to go nine for nine. And you said two didn't finish their career at Kansas? Correct. I'm going to run with that. I'm going to say LeGerald Vick. LeGerald Vick is correct. The other acceptable answers would have been Tarek Black, C.J. Giles. Who could forget? C.J. Giles and Mark Randall. Mark Randall. Okay. Back on the right track. Tyler, we go back to you now. Tyler, Kansas defeated North Carolina 80-67 to in the 2012 Elite Eight. Eight players played for Kansas in that game. Five of them scored in double figures. Name any of the three players who played for Kansas in that game but did not reach double-figure scoring. That is correct. The other acceptable answers would have been Kevin Young and Justin Wesley. Kevin Young and Justin Wesley. That was a notoriously thin team. We always reference them whenever a team's good and they're thin. Oh, just like 2012. All right, guys. We're still chugging along here in the great eight. Of RCST Trivia from the East Region, the nine seed Tyler, the seven seed Andrew going at it, trying to secure a spot in the Phenomenal Four. Andrew, your next question. There was only one KU player to ever wear the number 16. He was an All-American and a national champion. Who was it? (laughs) 
think it was Clyde Lavellet. It was Clyde Lavellet. Tyler, we go back to you. Clyde Lavellet had a future Hall of Fame coach as his teammate in 1952. Who was it? Dean Smith. Topeka native. Dean Smith. Topeka, Kansas. Stand up, please. All right, guys. This is getting good. This is getting good. This is what it's all about. We need, like, extra intense music. We need to go, like, another <laughs> round from I here. don't know what to do. All right. All right, guys. Both of you guys this performing well. This is grade well. eight trivia right here. This is what we wanted. I ask this question very seldomly, but does anybody just want to throw in the towel now and quit and concede to the other person? Okay. <laughs> all right. Just thought I'd ask. Just thought I'd ask. Okay, Andrew, back to you. Name this seven-foot center who played for Kansas from 1975 to 1979 and was later drafted by the Rockets after leading the 1979 team in rebounds per game. He was second in points per game behind Darnell Valentine. Who was it? Oh, man. Oh, boy. I'm going to say Walt Wesley. The correct answer, Paul McKeskey. And that's a little Easter egg. That's a little Easter egg for people who have been listening to RCST Trivia because at one point, I don't know how Paul McKeskey came up. I think it was a jersey number question. Paul McKeskey is the goofiest looking dude in KU basketball history. And he had the porn stash and he had the sort of a Bozo the Clown afro. Not a good looking guy. I think I could probably say that pretty objectively. Um, but yeah, not a well-known KU player. I've already talked too long about Paul McKeskey. Okay. Once again, Tyler, you know what this means. You get this right. You're moving on. Tyler. This KU big man. Average 19 and 11 for the 1953 Jayhawks that lost in the title game to Indiana. B.H. Bourne. That is correct. B.H. Bourne, the leading scorer on that 53 Jayhawks team. That was the national runner up in 1953. First, it was W.O. Hamilton. Now, it's B.H. Bourne really going back in the history books to get your wins. Tyler, you did it again, man. How's it feel? You're moving on to the Phenomenal Four. It feels really good. Another very long, tiring matchup. But honestly, I feel a little sad for Andrew. (laughs) You answered a billion questions, right? There was (laughs) one of them I wouldn't have known. So, I feel bad that you lost. Um, you're a deserving, a worthy opponent for sure. But I, I get a trophy. I'm getting all sorts of stuff. I get to hang a banner. I'm, I'm feeling great right now. I got to take me that sporting game if you want to. Yeah, there you go. You got a four pack of tickets. So, <laughs> you know, if you're looking for somebody to go with, what was the question? I got to know what was the question that he got right that you wouldn't have gotten. I didn't know Clyde Lavella wore sixteen. 
Okay. Now that was that and that was in the that you guys finished in our in our very hard tier of questions. So because of that, well, we he already won a hat for getting to the grade eight. So I mean, like we can give Andrew a second hat. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to work behind the scenes to figure something out because we've kind of had that rule that if you get one of those questions right, there's only been a handful to get one of them right. Andrew, you're one of them yet. Your run in RCST trivia still comes to an end. I know there were a few there that maybe you'd like to have back. How are you feeling? I mean, I'm I'm disappointed, but that's I, Paul freaking McKeskey. I caught myself with the f bomb. Paul McKeskey, are you kidding me? Like, I I would not have. Would you never? You never, never would have gotten Paul McKeskey. I the name. You said the name, and like, yeah, I know that name, but I would not have. That wouldn't have clicked ever for me. So. I bet you'll never forget it again. I bet. <laughs> I bet you'll never, never forget. Uh, and if you. If you want to, he's uh, my new Twitter profile picture. Just, I'm going to tell you that right now. He's my new Twitter profile picture. When you actually go and Google Paul McKeskey, you're gonna, you're gonna, you may rethink that decision. I'm just going to okay. let you know right now. Um, he looks like a butcher. I don't know. He looks like a refrigerator repairman. He doesn't anything but an NBA player. That's why he'll always stick in my brain. But that was a tough one. Would you have gotten the game ender? Would you have gotten BH born? I would have gotten BH born. Yeah. <sighs> I would have gotten BH born. That would have been my only guess, to be honest. With yeah, you, so. that stings. That stings. Well, Andrew, you All gave right. it a, a heck of a run. Tyler, great job. Congratulations. We'll see you in the Phenomenal Four. Guys, best matchup so far this week. Thank you so much. Thanks. Tyler, good luck, man. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. Have you still not heard MLS is back and Sporting Kansas City is back in action? After finishing first in the Western Conference last season, Sporting KC is back in action and hungrier than ever to paint the wall. The best part is you can watch Polito, Russell, Busio, and the rest of our boys in Sporting Blue live in a limited capacity crowd again this season. To attend a match in person, go to SeatGeek.com SKC and be sure to use code SKC. RCST at checkout to receive an exclusive discount just for being a Rock Chalk Sports Talk listener. Again, use code SKCRCST at SeatGeek.com slash SKC before it's too late. RCST Trivia is brought to you by Pella Windows. Pella Product of Kansas is your one-stop shop for all your window and door needs. Pella offers everything from turnkey window and door replacements to experts in the field that can work with your contractor and find the perfect solution for that project to make your house feel like a home. Whether you're building a home, taking on a remodeling project, or simply want the best replacement solution, Pella Windows has all your answers. Stop by the newly remodeled showroom on the northwest corner of 6th and Wakarusa or call 785 749 4808. Don't hesitate. Appointments are filling up fast. Big day in the NFL. The NFL schedule being released tonight. We already know a handful of games, but thinking about the NFL got me thinking more about the NFL. And you know what happens when I start to think about the NFL? I start to think about the NFL whip around. We don't do it every week anymore. It's uh, about a once-in-every-month sort of thing during the offseason. But we had the draft a couple of weeks ago. You got the schedule being released tonight. What better time to bring back the NFL whip around? Yeah! First up, if then, if Aaron Rodgers does end up getting traded to the Broncos specifically, then? Then the AFC West is unequivocally the best division in football. Because right now, the Broncos are the only team I just think are going to accomplish nothing this year because they had a top 10 pick in a historically deep 
quarterback draft, and they decided to draft a cornerback. They got Teddy Bridgewater. Patrick Sertain. Yeah, they do have Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. And all you keep hearing from Denver is that they love him more than everybody else does. But when you hear things like that, to me, that does not equal validation. To me, that does not equal, well, then they must know something that we don't because there have been a lot of teams that have been in love with the quarterbacks that they have in that quarterback room who didn't end up being very good. So I don't really know what they see in because I've seen Drew Locke play in the regular season and it didn't go well. I don't know why they think it's going to go well now. They have pieces on that offense. If they were able to trade for Aaron Rodgers, do you put them ahead of the Chargers? Because the Chargers, once again, are you know, popping up as a sexy pick from the AFC. And while I get the jokes there, and, you know, it's the same thing that people have been saying every year for the past decade, it's different this time around because unlike when you had a 33-year-old aging Phillip Rivers at quarterback, you have a legit superstar in the making in Justin Herbert. So it makes a little bit more sense this time around that people are really bullish on the Chargers. But you'd have to put the Broncos ahead of them simply because it's Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think you get to the question of would the Broncos be able to contend with the Chiefs at that point? Um, the Broncos do have, like, solid weapons around the quarterback. It's, you know, you don't have your Devontae Adams like he currently has in Green Bay, but you look at what they invested in the receiver position a year ago, Cortland Sutton coming back off of injury after missing last year, and then who Forgot knows? Forgot about him. Yeah, who knows if, if guys like Jerry Judy or uh, I can't remember the – uh, Hamler or whatever. From KJ Penn Hamler, State. yeah. Either of those guys kind of break out in year two for them. Noah Fant played a lot better last year than he did as a rookie. So there's pieces there to make you think if Aaron Rodgers goes there, they could be pretty good because I think if you look at the defensive pieces, I, I don't know like if you would say they're better than the Chiefs, but they're probably like on par with where the Chiefs are defensively. You could have Justin Fields, though. That's the other thing. You could have just drafted Justin Fields and we wouldn't have to worry about a blockbuster trade to make the Broncos relevant. So if you do go after Aaron Rodgers, wouldn't that kind of signal that maybe you weren't as sold on Drew Luck as you tried to make it out to be two weeks ago when you passed on all those quarterbacks? Or do you just make the argument that, well, it's Aaron Rodgers. We couldn't pass up the opportunity to get Aaron Rodgers. I don't think this is going to happen because... We tossed around this idea with Deshaun Watson. We tossed around this idea with Russell Wilson. Guess what? Haven't heard much on those fronts lately, and Deshaun Watson's got some pretty unique circumstances there with a potential uh, lawsuit and all of that. But I think that just goes to show that we make these headlines and to be something sensational, but at the end of the day, franchise quarterbacks probably aren't going anywhere. So... If it were to happen, um, it would be one of the, the biggest trades that I think we've ever witnessed, at least in the past decade, of NFL football. But, I mean, reigning NFL MVP getting traded the next offseason, probably not going to happen. No, but if it did, Chiefs should throw the kitchen sink at Devontae Adams. Okay, what all is in He's the kitchen? He's a free agent after this year. What all is in the kitchen sink? Mm, fourth round pick. Probably going to take more than that. Uh, is there any player that's worth a first-round pick that's non-quarterback? I would trade a first for Devontae Adams. For probably sure. have to give him more, to be honest. Two firsts for one year, Devontae Adams? Because there's no way you have enough money to resign. But at that point, like, huh? I don't know. They'll I know we make, the we make the jokes about Brett Veach and yeah, his wiggery with that's the salary cap. problem. 
That's what we said about Orlando Brown. How many future problems can Dude, you put on his on. table? You cannot tell. How exciting with it. Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Come on. I understand your excitement level, and I share your excitement level. But, again, I just don't know how feasible it is. Every party has a pooper. That's what all we right, all right. you. If Chad Henney started the Chiefs opener, hypothetically, they just said, eh, let's, let's rest Patrick Mahomes. It's too early in the season. To pick up where he left off against reportedly Cleveland, that'll be their week one opponent then. What do you mean pick up where he left off? He finished the game against Cleveland. Now he gets to start the next one against Cleveland. I forgot about that. How'd he do? Six for eight, zero touchdowns, one interception. He had the YOLO ball that he yeah. tried to chuck it deep, and it was like, what is he doing? And uh-huh. then it was like, oh, no. It's it's like that uh, that scene from Not Another Teen Movie. Everything's going in slow motion. Foo Fighters is playing in the back. There goes my hero. And then it just gets picked off. Yeah, so um, that'd be cool. By the I, way, we need to put that movie on the wheel for Matt. I don't not, know how it hasn't already been I thought there. we, didn't we not, did we not put it on there? Have, no. When the, <laughs> when the little nerdy receiver gets literally split in half right across the odds. That is such a good movie. That is such a good movie. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think it would go well because Cleveland is a good football team. So I think the Chiefs would lose if Chad Henney were to start that game. The Chiefs have a good roster. I personally, personally, I'm still of the belief that Patrick Mahomes is the most important player on that roster. What? So taking him off the field would pretty emphatically change how I I'll feel take- about the team. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, could they win? Yes, but no. I think they'd probably be underdogs at that point. I hate that. I hate that. Could they win? <laughs> could they? Well, we do that for everything. Well, is it po- is it humanly possible that they could still come away with the win? It is, but come on. They're not winning that game with Chad Henney. Are they good? The NFL schedule release show. You teased that earlier. Is it good? No, it's really not. I mean, we already know who every team is going to play. We just don't know when they're going to play. I classify this as something where it's like, do we really need a TV show about it? Can't we just like, hey, we released the schedule online. Go look at it. That is the equivalent of this could have been in an email. You know, (laughs) this is the equivalent of of an hour meeting. The boss calls you upstairs. You sit in the conference room and you're left with the feeling of you could have emailed this to me and it could have been taken care of in five minutes. And if I watch it, like, I'm not going to remember who the Giants play in week four. Like, I I might remember who the Chiefs play each of the weeks, maybe. There's no way I'm going to remember, you know, oh, what's on Monday Night Football in week eight? I don't remember. I don't know. You know, I'll just look at it when we get to that week in the regular season. Yeah, how often, if it's not your team, how often are you looking forward to other games? And it's not that you don't like those games. It's that you're not looking ahead. You're not like, I can't wait till that week four matchup between the Packers and the Bucks. I'll just get excited when the day comes. I, I saw this, time. by the way. Uh, I saw a headline earlier today, and it was like, the possible uh, revenge matchup we all could be waiting for week one. And it was Sam Darnold playing the Jets. It's mm-hmm. like, do you think all Sam Darnold views it as I need to get revenge against the Jets? Or do you think he's just viewing it as, thank goodness I'm out of there? Probably. Yeah. I'm sure he's very thrilled to be out of New York. And I don't think he cares about that. It's, it's not like his coach is there. It's not like the coach no. who he feels like ruined his career is there. So the GM who drafted him isn't there. So I don't 
really understand that at all. No, but no, it is not good. The best it's the part one about thing it, I feel like I'm a curmudgeon about, yeah. but like everybody else loves, so I just have to sit there silently and, and just watch as no, everybody. If, if you want to get excited, go for it. If that's your cup of tea, just not my cup of tea. Uh, the least helpful thing about it, though, is that at the end of the release of the schedules, you know they got to pull out everybody's schedule and do the win-loss for each game. I'll do hey, I'll do it right now for the Chiefs without looking okay. at the schedule. Twelve and four. Wow. Yeah. Who'd they did they win or lose in week eleven? One. Oh, okay. That was a big week for them. Yeah. Uh speaking of which, are they good? The Chiefs odds of going undefeated at Arrowhead this season. Uh no, they're not good. The last team to go undefeated in the regular season was the Patriots two years ago. Before that. The last team to go undefeated at home was the Panthers. That counts the postseason. The Panthers went 10-0 the year they went to the Super Bowl. It doesn't happen very often. Usually, I mean, not just in NFL in general. The only reason that makes me think that maybe it would is you didn't have fans there last year. The Chiefs have one of the best home field advantages in the NFL. We haven't had a full capacity game at Arrowhead Stadium since the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Think about that. So maybe making up for lost time, maybe screaming just a little bit louder. I know that sounds silly, but also if you're a fan who wasn't at any games last year, if you haven't been to a game since the Super Bowl, aren't you really going to be excited to go to a game next year and being back, not just at a Chiefs game, but being back in an atmosphere like that? You're at a live sporting event at a max capacity crowd. You're probably going to be more amped up than you have ever, ever been as a fan. So I don't think it's that unrealistic that Arrowhead could be as loud as it's ever been next year. I like that idea, though, that some guy's like yelling and the guy's next to him is like, dude, we're not at a library. That's your 2019 levels. Pick it up. Come on. You can get louder than that, can't you? But no, I mean, you just bet against the undefeated. Like, it's not to say that the Chiefs are going to go 4-4 four and four at home, but you go 7-1 and one at home, you're going to be playing good opponents. Um, I think the Packers game is in... Kansas City, yeah, it is, um, which, again, who knows with the deal with Aaron Rodgers. But, like, between, you know, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Buffalo, Dallas, Green Bay, all the teams in your division, you could lose one of those games very easily. Mm-hmm. So, no, I I would say, yeah, they'll drop are them. they good? No, but they're not bad either. Uh, TJ Hawkinson said that he knows he has a high ceiling. Okay. Is TJ Hawkinson's ceiling good? Is it good? Uh, TJ Hawkinson, uh, third-year tight end for the Lions. He was drafted eighth overall. Wow. As a tight end, eighth overall in 2019. You know, Kyle Pitts was drafted fourth overall. We're like transcendent. This guy's the greatest tight end talent ever. TJ Hawkinson was picked four picks later two years earlier, and we're just like, he's another dude. So buyers beware on the idea that Kyle Pitts is going to change the NFL forever. Again, he might be great, but also, you know, TJ Hawkinson was a top 10 pick. He's fine. Last year, he had 67 catches, 700 yards, six touchdowns. The problem working against him now is that the Lions might have the worst offense in the NFL. They traded Matt Stafford for Jared Goff. That's a downgrade. They did virtually nothing to enhance their receiving corps over the offseason. Like Tyrell Williams and Quintez Cephas. Mon Ross St. Brown might be the two uh, might be the two starting wide receivers. So, you know, Hawkinson may be the number one target in Detroit. But uh, again, you're a tight end. So how high if you're not Travis Kelsey or George Kittle or Darren Waller, who's like a distant third, 
Like whoever's fourth is fourth. And there's no way that you would say that they're third. If it's Mark Andrews or whoever. Like how, high, like how high is Mark Andrews' ceiling? I don't know. So how high is TJ Hawkinson's compared to what? Is he the next Calvin Johnson? Is he the next Antonio Gates? No, he's just a tight end. So by default, your ceiling's not that high. But I do love the confidence. I know my ceiling is high. Sounds like a guy trying to convince you his ceiling's high. Yeah, love it. Uh, Deshaun Watson's chances of starting the season in Houston. Are they good? I don't know. It's been pretty quiet the past two or three weeks. It was really, really noisy around Deshaun Watson. Started with the trade request. Then came the uh, the sexual harassment from dozens of women who all claim that he liked to force them to touch his ween. And that has resulted in, I guess, the concern that not just he may not play in Houston again, but that he may be untouchable. It certainly removes any leverage from the situation that he's going to be able to force his way out because I don't know how many teams would actually trade for him right now. So because of that and not knowing what's going to happen with uh, what sounds like is going to be a civil suit, I'd say he'll start the season in Houston, like physically, but I don't know that he'll start for Houston. Like, what do you do if you're the Texans? Or do you just kind of hope that this stays quiet for another couple of months and by the time the season rolls around, you know, he's out there under center and you go, wait a minute, you remember that thing that happened? And nobody had talked about it for three months. Like, that's how the NFL likes to handle things. Just nobody say anything, and then maybe people will forget. I don't think you can. I think it might be the Davis Mills show. Davis Ooh. Mills. Grab Davis Mills, Dynasty Fantasy Football Advice. Boom. All right, next segment. Better than Kirk Cousins. Tim Tebow back in the NFL. Yes, he is. Are you asking me if Tim Tebow is going to be a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins or a better tight end than Kirk Cousins is at quarterback? Uh, choose your own adventure. Okay, Tim, Tim Tebow, on paper, better tight end than Kirk Cousins would be a tight end. Yes. So you put Correct. both those guys at tight end, I think Tim Tebow annihilates yeah. Kirk Cousins. At quarterback, different conversation. And I don't know Wait, how- I don't believe you. Okay, Let, let's do a little checklist here. Better passer. Kirk Cousins. Cousins. Right? All right, 1-0. Better runner. Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow. Is that okay. a fact? Yeah, one-to-one. Um, better vocal leader. Okay, see now. Tim Tebow. No, I don't think that that's um, accurate. More recently married, Tim Tebow. Okay. So, yeah, you're coming up with a pretty um, strong more argument. position versatility. Right, yeah, Tim that's Tebow. true. Well, actually, I disagree because I think there's only one position that Tim Tebow could play, and it's like scat back. So... Uh, I think they're about the Better same. Better relationship there. with Urban Meyer, Tim Tebow, check. Yeah, that's true, too. Um, you're missing some some pretty key categories, but that's okay. We gave Kirk Cousins passing. What do you Yeah, want? yeah, you're right. We did. Um, you know, I think this is stupid because Tim Tebow... Uh, if we don't even know it's that... clearly he, better, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Kirk Cousins. Mm. Kirk I mean, Cousins, how many Heismans? I hardly find the Tim Tebow stuff interesting. Hardly find it interesting. Kirk Cousins, was he a first-round pick? Third. Tim Tebow was. Third or fourth. Cousins, no Heismans, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow, All-American, how many times? Three times, yeah. maybe? Yeah. How about NFL success at the quarterback position? Oh, how, Can we start talking about some of those things? Playoff wins. How many does Kirk have, actually? That's actually a real question. I don't know. Is it zero or no, one? No, they won the wild-card game against the Saints the other year on that last second. Ah, that's right. Wait, yeah. no, that was Case Keenum. Was that? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, the Stephon Diggs. Does Kirk Cousins 
really not have a playoff win. Did they get one this year? They yeah, they did. 2019. 2019, okay. 2019. So he's got one. There you go. So him and Tim Tebow tied for playoff wins. So I think it's very clear that this is a TBD discussion which which quarterback. Yeah, let's let it play out yeah. over the course of the season. <laughs> Tom Brady, uh, specifically at age 50, the Bucks general manager, Jason Licht, said if he still feels like playing, he can play till he's 50. So let's put it to the test. Tom Brady at age 50, is he better than Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins now? Or do I mean Tom Brady will be 44 this season? So are we just like, are we fast forwarding into the future six years? Yeah, Terminator Tom Brady comes back in time to save John Connor. Well, no, he's not coming back in time. We're literally fast forwarding six years and he's 50. And Kirk Cousins at that point would be mm. uh, not far. Uh, yeah, who would be? I don't know why. I act- he's 32, so he's about a decade behind. Mm-hmm. So he'll be close to 40. So you're basically giving me, let's just do that. You're giving me Tom Brady, Brady at 50 okay. versus Kirk Cousins at 40. Brady. Easy. Are you sure? Yeah. I mean, Kirk Cousins had one of his best seasons to date this past year. Kirk Cousins Statistically. does not strike me as the quarterback who will still be playing when he's 38 years old. That's usually reserved I disagree. For- he doesn't strike me as the type of guy who relies heavily upon his physical traits. Therefore, it's all... It's all what's between the ears. You know, those 12 inches. But he's not Drew Brees. He's not Tom Brady where it's like, oh, this guy's a Hall of Famer. Like, he can still get so much done, you know? How about based off build, don't you think Kirk Cousins has a, t- has a similar Slender, build yeah. to Tom Brady? That's fair. So maybe he is. Maybe he's just not in your face about all the stuff he's doing behind the scenes to make sure he can play until he's 40. Nobody bothered to ask him. That's the problem with today's society is Kirk Cousins been right there doing all this work. Nobody bothered to ask uh, if he's interested to play until he's 40. They, all we uh, do is ask Tom Brady, yeah, we hey, want to play player. another five years? Want to play another 10 years? Why don't we ask anybody else yeah. how long they feel like playing football for? Love that. Okay, Trey Lance. He's going to be better than Kirk Cousins this year. Well, what if he doesn't start this year? I mean, he could still be better. Just he will start this year, by the way. do we? Can we all agree yeah, on that? at some point. Probably not. You do not one. draft a quarterback yeah. third overall. And then not start him in year one. I mean, the list is so, so, so incredibly short. I mean, if we're just talking about guys who make it halfway through the season without starting, that's a very short list. He'll probably start within the first month and a half of the year. He'll take one bad game from Jimmy Garoppolo. One bad game. Which will happen. Which will happen because he's Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think... Statistically, he could... No, he won't be. He won't statistically be better because uh, I sort of expect... I expect the Vikings, who knew OC, formerly Chi, uh, KU wide receiver coach Clint Kubiak. Clint Kubiak was on the KU staff like six or seven years ago. I can't remember if it was under Charlie Weiss. Weiss. He was the wide receivers coach. He is now the OC taking over in Minnesota, which would tell you they're probably going to pass the ball a little bit more. I mean, you're coming off a career year statistically from Kirk Cousins, 35 and 13. We know that the Niners are going to still incorporate a lot of the run game. Didn't they go out and draft a running back? Yeah, they got they got two, actually. They got Trey Sermon yeah. in like the third, and they got a kid from Louisiana Lafayette. And they still like got Mostert and some other guys. So that's never going to be a quarterback that's going to be prolifically high passing numbers. But with his physical traits, Trey Lance could be a good runner. Year one, though, I'm still taking Kirk Cousins. Yeah, uh, especially when you think about, like, the weapons just on the outside. And also, 
Did you see that one report that Julio Jones, like, to the Vikings, like, that was being rumored? I don't know if it'll happen, but could you imagine Julio Jones, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen? Too many cooks in the kitchen. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Maybe you flip them back, Adam Thielen or something. Justin Jefferson, Julio Jones. Okay, I'm all aboard that. Last one, Mac Jones. Will he ever be better than Kirk Cousins? No. No. Never, ever. No. Never, ever, 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 ever. I do not think he's good. I do not think he's good. I think Bill Belichick. You know, I have more faith in him now than I would have had he landed anywhere else, but that just goes to show how little faith I have in Mac Jones. I just don't think he's good, man. Okay, this is a random question. Who will be in the NFL longer, Tom Brady or Mac Jones? In the NFL, yeah. Mac Jones is a first-round quarterback. He'll be in the league for at least a decade. He'll be in the league for at least a decade. He may be toiling away as a backup somewhere, but he'll be in the league. Who's older? You uh, have been kind of on heaters with this. Yeah, I really have. I've been in my zone. Washington football team has a new left tackle. They just signed Charles Leno, him, Mm. or Indianapolis left tackle. Their new left tackle as well, Eric Fisher, who's older. Ooh. Eric Fisher was the number one overall pick in the 2013 NFL draft. Sounds right. 32-33. Charles Leno. I did see that he signed a one-year $5 million contract. I'm going to say Eric Fisher is older. Fisher is 30. Charles Leno is 29. Only 30 for the big fish. People call him that. They do now. Cardinals linebacker Jordan Hicks or Philadelphia pass game coordinator Kevin Petullo. Oh. I'm going to say Kevin Petullo is older. Tulo's 39. Jordan Hicks is 28. Not even close. Free agent wide receiver. Just got to work out with the Jets. Tavon Austin. Or free agent cornerback who was just waived by Miami. Bobby McCain. Oh, man. Um, Tavon Austin. When did he get into the league? Like 2013, 2014. 21 then. Seven years. He's probably 28, 29. Bobby McCain. I don't know why I even spend time doing this because I don't know how old <laughs> like, I'm the, the other player I've never even heard of. So I'll say uh, I'll say Tavon Austin's older. Three no start. Tavon Austin thirty. Bobby it's a winning McCain, week. 27. That's a winning week. Green Bay wide receiver Devonte Adams or Washington Football Team tight end former Chief Dion Yelder. Hmm. Devonte, he's got to be. 27, 28, young, and wide receiver years. You're by most standards, yeah, even. I was say, by, by most people, yeah. <laughs> Dion Yelder, though. What's what's your story, huh? I mean, gosh. Uh, I will say... I'll say Devontae Adams is older. Yes. One, uh, one away from perfect week. I think you had a perfect week. Uh, yeah, I'm on a bona fide heater. You need to ride my <laughs> coattails right now, folks. Denver general manager George Payton or Miami. This is a long title. Miami special advisor to the vice chairman, president, and CEO, or for short, Masetavica Pack, Dan Marino. You could have just said Dan Marino. Dan Marino or George Patton? Hey, he's on payroll. So Marino was drafted in 83. Would Is have it been Patton or Peyton? I, don't know. I think it's Patton. Uh, so Marino was drafted in 83. Uh, what would that put him at now? 
930313. That's about 40 years later. So he's just shy of 60, probably. Um, I'm going to say Marino's older for the win, for the 5-0 and week. Marino, older. That's your NFL whip around. I don't know what else to say. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk.